At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Guys, welcome to Knife Talk. This is a, a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers, really anybody. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and Mareko is not here this week. He's on a mission, and I look for, we both look forward to finding out exactly what happened. But before we get into it, I have something I have to tell you guys. When you guys follow us on Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you send me DMs. I usually ask you for questions, and one of the questions that comes up a lot is, when I'm forging a knife and I'm heat-treating a knife... I get the knife to non-magnetic, and then I quench it, and then sometimes it doesn't get hard. What should I do? And I'm going to bring this to you now. You need to get a good kiln. Even heat kilns are the leaders of kilns in the United States and abroad. They are the number one kiln company around. They, they're just they're the greatest. And yeah. when you get a kiln, what you're doing is you're killing the doubt. You're killing the doubt because all of a sudden, I had to tell one person, non-magnetic doesn't necessarily mean the critical temperature. The critical temperature is the range of the steel, of the particular steel. Some of them are lower, some of them are higher. Non-magnetic doesn't work with all steels. So if you get yourself a kiln, you'll be able to get yourself a recipe that guarantees you that you will hit critical temperature when you're quenching. And then you don't have to fool around. And if you want to jump up to uh, like stainless steel, you can do it with an even heat kiln. They go right up to, well, we'll past, you go like 2200 degrees. You don't need to get hotter than that. If you're an axe maker, you're an iron, you're a uh, hammer maker, get yourself a kiln and stop playing because it's just like enough. And if you go to Soul Ceramics is the distri- one of the distributors of Even Heat. And if you go to knifetalk.net slash heat, it directly sends you to Soul Ceramics, and it will take off $75. Per- $75. I almost said 75%, Craig. You almost killed me. <laughs> $75 off your order, and in the United States, is free shipping. I got a message from Nick Anger. He wanted to know the link because he wanted to get, an- he wanted to get a kiln. This is a while ago. And if Nick Anger wants to get an Even Heat kiln, I mean, it's good enough for him. It's good enough for you. So support Even Heat. I just wanted to give them a little love this week because they are one of the – they've been with us from day one. And that's it. So get yourself an Even Heat and stop playing. Yeah. And another thing is one of the questions we always get as well is how do you up your game from, like, selling a few knives to, you know, family, friends, that kind of thing. It's by consistency. And by doing batches with consistency with a good kiln, you're going to guarantee that you've got the right results each time. So, yeah. 
completely agree. Even heat's the way to go. Right. Make sure you get it from Soul Ceramics because we've got you a deal. Knifetalk.net forward slash heat and get that $75 off. And I, I also think it's free shipping in the U.S. as well. Yeah. This is awesome. I mean, it's great. So I just want to, you know, obviously, you know, you guys need to stop worrying about spending money because you're in the knife making game now. And it's just like you're going to spend money. So you might as well <laughs> make it back with an even heat. So there you go. Exactly. Exactly. And then there were two, just the two of us. Don't be sad. Two out of three ain't bad, as they say. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of songs, one of the reasons why we're doing this at this point, besides the fact that Mareko's on a mission and he'll be back, is you had a big gig last night. I did. The first sort of real gig, I suppose. Um, we did one a couple of weeks ago, but it was, you know, it was very, it was a sort of 20, 30 minute thing. But this was sort of like a headlining sort of slot at this this little thing, um, and it was great, great fun. It was it was great. It was the first one that we did a few weeks ago. I was just nervous and right. literal panic got me through it. I can't remember any of it, and it was I don't remember even looking out and seeing people. It was just sheer panic from beginning to end. Really, um, this time I just didn't feel nervous at all, and I went on and I enjoyed every second of it you know i appreciated every second and it was it was great it was just real good fun real good fun um, so how many yeah. people were there um a couple of hundred maybe wow a couple of hundred it was uh it was like our village um it's, it's one of the bigger villages around here because we're in the middle of nowhere um and normally sort of july and august there's something going on at least once a week you know some music or some event but, you know, as soon as we get into September, they stop. All, all of France basically <laughs> stops. You know, the shutters yeah. come down and that's it until next sort of July. Um, so we were like, well, let, let's try and like, extend the season a bit, you know. Um, so, you know, we still got decent weather here. So it was us and another band um, who played. Um, and, yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, it was like in the, in the sort of town square kind of thing. Um, real good fun. Real good fun. And I say enjoyed every single second of it. It was, uh, yeah. It, it's a bit like a drug, to be honest with you. It's Yeah, it's all that's on my mind all the time. Well, is is it like... Because, I mean, you've played... You've been playing bands before. Was this the most amount of people you ever played in front of? Yeah, I mean bands before. You know, school stuff. It was of ne- course. You know, ne- it's never been anything. Yeah, I'm not talking about like... You know, I'm not talking about you were in Nirvana, for Christ's sakes. I'm just saying, no, you, no. Know, <laughs> you know, you're fooling around your friends. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But this, yeah, this this is sort of sort of the next level up. You know, we're taking it quite seriously and... You know, we're never going to get, you know, signed and that kind of thing. But, you know, we enjoy it and we want to put on the best show that we can, you know. So, yeah, it was it was just real good fun. So we did a sort of, well, just under an hour, so sort of 55-minute set. And, um, yeah, completely enjoyed every second. It was great. Wow. I'm not I mean, sure we were great, but I enjoyed it. That's the what do you thing. mean? You know, you know, what do you mean? You, people were there. They didn't leave, right? As soon as you no, start playing, you didn't leave, right? People dance, and that that was our objective. So yeah, it was good, good fun. There you go. But Uplift. I I had a terrible um, throat like the day before, and even on the day. So the whole family here, we've all gone down with like it was like almost like a flu. And yes, we've all been you know COVID tested, <laughs> the rest of it, um, and we're all fine. Um, but you know the kids still got it, and they're talking all phlegmy and all the rest. I think it's where they've started school, and they're bringing all the germs home, that kind of right. thing. So yesterday. You know, I woke up and I, I could barely talk. My throat was on fire and I was like, oh, jeez. So I'm like, I'm not going to cancel. I'm I'm doing it anyway. So um, I just medicated the hell out of me, you know. Um, honey and lemon then, drinking all day, tablets, lozenges, all the rest. Um, and by the time we come to sort of gig time, my throat was 100% again. So, yeah, it was, it was quite good. 
Wow. So do you think you're going to play again, or did the band have a good time, or are some of them like yeah, they had? Got, I or... mean, we've got a bunch of bookings. So um, really, yes, yeah. So the next one is um, well, it's in two weeks' time actually. So yeah, I think it's the first week of October. Um, that's in a bar in the sort of local, well, the nearest city here. So again, it's a step up again. So yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Wow, uplift is really making headway. Making headway in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Let's go Payzac. Isn't that, isn't that the town you're Well, Payzac's the town. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> like Payzac. Stepping on stage at Wembley. Good yeah. evening, Payzac. Yeah. yeah, that was good fun. Good thing you didn't name your, your, your band Ballsack. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. that would have been pretty funny. That yeah. would have been pretty yeah. funny. I had, a fr- I had a friend in college, my roommate in college. We had, uh, there was a band called Green Cacat. And it was a, my high, my freshman year band, friend's band, Green Cacat, with like a, like a little stutter in there. And Cacat. then my other friends were like so irritated about it that they named themselves Blue Baballs. <laughs> and then, and, and then I, I had my the first sculpture I ever sold was this giant black and white street sign. And I, it was the first sculpture I ever sold. I think I made $200. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with this $200? And I said, I'm going to throw the biggest party on campus. <laughs> so I got two kegs. I had an upperclassman uh, get the kegs. And then I said, how many bands are the most amount of bands at a, at a college? And someone said, like, three. I'm like, I'm going to get four. So I got <laughs> um, green cacat, blue baballs, <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> and the best, and then I got a few other guys. The best part was, is the guys from Green Cacat came up to me and they said, "Hey, I I don't mean to like be weird, but like our blue balls like mad at us or something like that." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, they kind of like made fun of our name by like naming their name a bullshit name after our bullshit name." And I was like, "Yeah, I think green, b- blue balls is fine. I, I really wouldn't worry about it. I'll just have a good time." He's just like, "I'm really concerned about blue balls." I'm like, "Listen, Green Cacat, it'll be you'll be okay. It'll be fine." <laughs> blue balls, I sort of get, but Green Cacat, I mean, that that's a poor choice there. It didn't make any sense, but I mean, blue balls was such a funny response. Let's name our band Blue Balls. <laughs> so there you go naming Brilliant. bands it was a funny, so how was it was a funny conversation because it's just like my week was great i mean it was uh i had uh i got a lot of work done actually we're starting a new employee but not oh, someone wow. in the shop we're starting someone for uh customer service oh this wow has been wow. the biggest problem that we've had because yeah. because i do so many things so many different options we get crazy emails. Actually, I had Tony send me a couple of the crazy emails. Uh, mm-hmm. If you ever wanted me to read them about like requests, it, it, but we he he's got to go. Th- There's a lot of people who want like, you know, you can pre-order stuff off the website. And and um, actually, speaking of pre-ordering, I, you know, I had a really interesting conversation with Jimmy Durest a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how pre-ordering really helped him out in terms of how, how it helps out a lot of businesses, like mm-hmm. when companies are figuring out the process of you know how much to order they pre-order stuff so then they can make sure that they're not under buying or over buying so it made me really kind of change the way i thought about it but um we have a real problem with uh customer service because the emails sometimes are cra- you got to weed through craziness oh like yes on, yeah on thursdays tony comes up here and i he makes me sit down next to him and he just like reads me off these emails and i'm just like I, why are we even bothering? It's like I'm, I'm going to pull one up while we're talking. So we're—I mean, they're, they're just some of them are completely—I mean—out of control. Uh, here is all right. Here's one. This is a submission for to Fader Knives. Hi there. This is just a uh, this is just a consult. 
I really want to get a match set of Asuma Chakra Blades from Naruto. This won't be anything immediate. Rather, something I want to get quoted on now and invest towards later. I, I would buy a run-of-the-mill mass-produced blades, but I want to invest in a high-quality pair of blades. Is this something you, you folks are capable of producing? Please let me know and give me what a rough quote of that would be. And you, you know, know that email has just been blanket sent to a bunch of other makers as well. What the fuck is Naruto? So I'm only turning yeah. to Tony and just like, what the fuck is Naruto? <laughs> um, here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, what I'm looking for is a blade that's seven inches long and has a threaded rod attached to it. I want to build an upgraded Rambo-style survival knife for my son. I have compartmentalized, hand, I have compartmentalized <laughs> handles and threads that would need to be half by uh, 28 TPI, about one inch long. Is that something you can handle? It's like these are the kind of fucking questions we get. It's like these people go to the – they see what I do on Instagram, mm. and then they ask for something I don't do. Yeah. Like it's all this cartoony shit, you know, and it's like – you know, so we're we're actually we're starting this uh, this new person who's going to really help us out, and she's excited. And it's oh, so, a, so you've got the person already. There's no interview process. You, you're there. Here's the funny part: is so Tony says I found someone who I think would be really helpful to us, and I um I want you to talk to her. And I said, well, do I really need to be the? Am I interviewing her? And he goes, no, no, I take care of it. Don't worry about that. You don't have to interview. Just, like, make sure, you know, just talk to her and do your, you know, normal razzle-dazzle bullshit, you know, like, you know. <laughs> and I, I said, so should I be, like, concerned? I Should I – am I – he's like, no, you're not interviewing. You're just talking to her saying hello. Just go say hello. He, he's perfect with me. Tony is fucking perfect with me. He's just like, I, listen, just relax. Just go talk mm-hmm. to her, say hello. And so we had a nice conversation. She's real nice. And um, luckily, this is one of those things that, you know, because of the pandemic, people were able to work from home so she can do a lot from – you know, in her off hours oh, cool. and stuff. So it'll be, we'll see what happens. It's going to, she's going to have a long way to go in terms of um, going, but I mean, it's great. And it's something that's going to really be beneficial to both of us because then we can focus on, instead of this Naruto nonsense, we can yeah. focus on like real stuff, you know, focus so. on what you do best and what you want to be doing. Not, yeah, not answering shit emails. Yeah. Dude, when he comes in and I sit down, usually what I try to do is when Tony comes in, I prepare stuff that I can do while he's, here like i set up the shop so like their ma- our main table is like this great like central table and i s- clean it off and get it ready for him and he comes in and you know i can hand sand or do something quiet and talk at the same time yeah. but then it was sometimes you just need to i need to sit down and just like listen and then he reads me these questions and i'm just like i don't even know what we're <laughs> fucking doing here i don't know why we're wading through these like yeah but see, sometimes we do you know sometimes it it works you know and sometimes it doesn't so yeah. And then uh, what else? I got a I got a nice message. For, I got an I got a funny card from uh, Jacques Pepin's family. Uh, I did see yes on, on Facebook. Knife. Yeah, I wanted to make a joke about the card because the card is the card is one of his watercolors. Like he's a watercolorist, and it's like a chicken, but the feathers are all grapes. Right. Yeah. So okay, so it's like a bunch of grapes, but then it looks like a chicken, and then the chicken's head is eating grapes. So I'm thinking to myself, I mean, what does this mean? Is he eating himself? And it was like this weird, like I was, I wanted to make a joke, and I was like, I don't think he's got a sense of, I don't think they have a sense of humor. So I was like, you know, I don't want to make like, you know, do a critique on his mm. painting or something like that. But it was a very nice, thoughtful message, and it was really, really cool. And then, uh, yeah, nice. got a lot of stuff he, done. He's got a bunch of your knives now, hasn't he? He's got, he's got he's two got knives, two yeah, knives, right. two yeah. knives, two nice. knives, which really nice and. 
you know, God bless him, 85 and or 83, 85, and he's still cranking out. So he's been very, very supportive and real, real cool with us. And whole, the whole their whole family's been doing such a good job with him in terms of like keeping him relevant, but like showing people that like you know how relevant he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but, you turned me on to his videos, his, his oh, Facebook videos, where he does sort of five-minute like prep, preps and things like that. They're always good. Yeah, oh, always good. He's got the down. All you YouTubers, if you're over five, if you're over five minutes, you're doing it wrong. He mm. does these five-minute videos. None of them are. Sometimes Thanksgiving, he'll give you eighteen minutes, and you're just like, "Oh Jesus Christ, I got to sit through this." But like his five-minute job, whoever figured it out, they put him in the same spot, they light his kitchen correctly. And he just seems like grandpa, and, but yeah. he's doing it everything very. Everything's like it's not high fuss stuff. It's a lot of fun. Hmm. Um, but speaking of television, I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something that I found very interesting. Uh, of course, I didn't ask you. I'm sorry. Did, did, was there any work in the shop you did this week? Or yes, but oh, before we go into what That's I've done right. in the shop, whilst we're talking about TV, I put an application in for a TV show this week too. You did i did well i mean you and Mareko are always talking about your tv deals and so on i'm like i, I need to step up my game and um our tv deals <laughs> so important important Mareko's the only one who made it any he made it he's the only guy who made any money so far yeah. everybody all of the rest of us are dangling around like the rest of these <laughs> chumps but um so uh, you know i make no secret jamie oliver's my sort of food hero he got me interested in you know in cooking and all right. that kind of thing and, uh, you know, we've got all these books here and all the rest of it. And uh, so he put up a, a post on Facebook saying that a new TV show, um, which he is sort of fronting, um, sounds bizarre, but it, it's called the, um, the, 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 the New Cookbook or something like that. It's going to be called the, the – they're basically looking for an author for a new cookbook. Right. It's going to be a TV show to find that person. So you need you to come up with a concept for a cookbook, which is – you know, it doesn't have to be original, but, you know, it needs to be something that they think will sell. And Jamie will then sort of, you know, run you through that process and he'll sort of, you know, shoulder it with you as well. So I was like, that would be pretty cool. So right. we had to apply with a, a two-minute video which showed the the concept of what the book would be. Um, and you need to explain who the audience would be and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so uh, me and my wife were thinking, you know, what could it be? What could it be? You know, it's like, there's no point in trying to make something up that, you know, that, that you know, we don't that we don't live, if you know what I mean. Right, like, of well, course. Well, you know, I do most of the cooking on a Sunday for the week. And, it, you know, it'll be sort of batch cooking and, you know, we do sort of base food so that can be, you know, made into a bunch of different meals, for, you know, and that kind of thing. And I was like, well, the Sunday chef, you know, how you, you can take sort of three hours on a Sunday – to prepare great food for you know for the whole week so you're not then you know for example on a wednesday afternoon making a bad choice it's like oh i've got nothing in let's just right. you know let's just call for a takeaway or whatever you've always got something good you know you've always got something good there that can be prepared in sort of 10 minutes because all the donkey work is done so that's the idea so i yeah so i made this video and we sent it off and monday is the cutoff point so this goes live on monday the show so I'd, I think I'll know by the end of Monday whether I've made the sort of made the cut. Um, yeah, so th so that's quite exciting. Uh, you did send me the video, and I, I was did. very impressed with it. Like you, were I pulled like, up the big guns. I got the kids in, and I got a bolognese in. Those you, those are the big you, guns for me. 
your move, you are such a sucker with those kids. You throw those, any video you try to win anything with, you put those kids in there. It's like, but it was perfect because you had them. They look so adorable and angelic and they're helping you in the kitchen. And I think somebody throws you, you, you throw yourself up a, an apple in the air or something. You like to do that. There's always some sort of like minor <laughs> juggling in your videos. You got something coming up in there or your wife threw you something from off, off, off the camera or something uh, like that. You, but the lighting looked great. You looked terrific. And it was, I, I, was you're always very impressive with your videos so i I liked your your response to my idea for a book so your idea for me was a thousand ways to cook a bolognese (laughs) but in the recipe book each page would just have a different font (laughs) brilliant well i mean it's just like you know you love you all you do is talk about bolognese i'm thinking to myself what is this guy gonna cook for we all it's gonna be spaghetti sauce all the time you know here you go in different fonts yeah yeah. (laughs) well if just to let you know in regards to what i was doing with uh bon appetit i mean you know like we're gonna call you for another meeting and that was a couple weeks ago so you know tony said ah don't worry you're in the rolodex it's probably not gonna it's i would imagine it's unless they're gonna call me anytime soon it's probably not gonna happen so yeah. You never know. It could be you a call know. out Look, of the blue. You never know. All these things. You know, the f- interesting thing is, is there's so much content that's needed, and everyone's looking for something new. Hmm. So you're getting more. You know, magazines as, as they were are really kind of out of out of. You know, they're out. I mean, people aren't yeah. buying yeah. magazines anymore. So the, the the what they're getting revenue from is doing like little videos, and it's it, it has become something very interesting and there's such great content out there so you know it's it's a very interesting situation yeah yeah fun times you've got to have skin in the game if you're going to be chosen and the h knife the h yes how can you forget about that launched on monday talking about your tv you're going to be making cookbooks you got to talk about (laughs) the h knife excuse me my throat's still a bit uh i know you're rock singer So, um, yes, so launched uh, on Monday, Monday afternoon, uh, the H Knife, which is the folder. Um, really pleased. So a bunch of people have bought them. A bunch of listeners to the show have bought them as well, which is, which is nice. Um, there are two knives left, which would be stamped with a serial number. So the first 20 basically would have a serial number um, engraved on, on the blade. Um, so there, there's two of them left if anybody wants one. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably pleased with it. So, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It looks um, so good. What else have I been doing in the shop this week? I've got a a new secret project, um, which could be a real sort of long-term thing as well. Um, But more about that in coming weeks. We're all about Um, secrets. All these podcasts, this is the one thing that drives me. The reason why I even (laughs) mentioned the Bon Appetit thing a while ago was just like, ah, we're always talking secrets. We're all talking in code all the time and all cryptic. (laughs) I'm like, ah, fuck it. Let's just tell what happened. So. Uh, but what else? Uh, shop-wise, so more work is being done on the new shop um, in the new house. Um, yeah, we've got a hard, hard out now in this current house of December, so we need to be up and I need to be up and running in the new workshop um, by what then. What do you so think? The, what do you think the chances of that are going to be? I will be up and running, but I don't think it's going to be a finished workshop. I mean, it, it, it's just a big barn at the moment, so you know I could essentially go in now and right. you know and plug everything in, but it wouldn't be comfortable. Right. And and you know I need to have a beer tap I need to have a sofa I need of to course. have a TV on the wall you know how it is yeah of course of course the, you know the velvet carpet you know, how know. It is. Um, so yes yeah, so it, it certainly won't be finished but it, it's going to be workable it's definitely definitely be workable so so yeah so that's quite exciting um, and what else has gone on? and yeah basically the rest of my time was taken up with with this gig which um, a lot of yeah I put a lot of prep into it where you know 
Not everybody does, but um, you mean in your band or just in yeah, general? Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you don't listen. Don't worry. The drummer don't listen to this. I'm with you. <laughs> but a few people. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, listen. You're a few right. people. You okay? a few, I'm good. Yeah. A few people said to me, "It's like it's almost like I was conducting up there." Because like when we come to a like a like a drum fill or a break in a song, I'm turning to the drum and I'm saying like now, 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 and you know, and I'm telling the bass player you know faster or you know harder or you know it's almost oh like conducting, God. and it's just like I got enough to concentrate myself, you know, because you know I'm singing and playing guitar and the rest of it. So yeah, it's a lot going on, but I love it. I, the more that's going on, I you know I sort of immerse myself in that. I love it. So yeah, it's all good. So that's been my week. That's been my week, and today has been like a proper Saturday here. So, um, yeah, we've been, you know, lounging around, watching cartoons with the kids, you know, and just really relaxing and just taking it easy. It's just been, it's just been really nice. So Very it's been good. a good week. It's been a good week. What I wanted to bring up to you in regards to television is number one is it would be crazy if you didn't at least get on it because you I mean, you just, you know, the beyond this thing with Jamie Oliver who PS, I wanted to send this. He did a recently did a, this recipe this morning where I was on the fence about, but I, then I thought, you know what, it's, he did this thing where it was a pizza with, like, cheese and grapes and honey mm. and, and red onions, and I was just like, yo, this is some fucking, this is some fucking, you know, pineapple pizza whoopsie here. This is a, that version of a pineapple pizza whoopsie would actually look pretty good, but I could totally see you on with him, and, you know, it would be a lot of fun, so... Yeah, but, I mean, I've but, talked about it before. He's without a doubt my sort of food hero because yeah. growing up, the you know there wasn't you know TV chefs weren't a thing until I was sort of into my teens, I suppose. And then it was you know mainly sort of females baking cakes that right. kind of thing, or really stuffy chefs, you know who were, you know everything had to be their way. And you know his way isn't that at all. You know he's never. You know he'll admit he's never going to win stars or anything. He, you know, he's there to you know just to make simple food that anybody can cook that's tasty. Um, and you know, and that's what got me. Into the, and he was cool. You know, he was you know he was oh, a yeah. drummer. And he went around on his mo- motorbike and he you know as you know as a sort of sixteen, seventeen year old thing. Oh, that's super cool. So it was somebody to look up to. And um, yeah, and, it, and it's been that been that way since for me. You know, and I know he takes a lot of flack and all the rest of it, but you know, he's got. I believe he's got a whole generation cooking. I really do. The TV flack thing is very interesting, and actually brings me up to uh, brings up to something I wanted to talk about. There's when you're putting yourself out there. I mean, people just say whatever they want to say. Yeah. And this past week, I was on the Full Blast podcast with Leah Arapach, who was on this Netflix show called metal shop masters yeah and it was this metal shop it was a it was a reality tv game show where i don't know game show is the right word or they basically had seven metal workers and it was kind of unclear whether or not it was an art show or a fabrication show and they competed against each other with these like you know judges perfectly fine you know nothing to write home about you know perfectly fine did a good job judges i did a fine job i'm being like weird because like i ended up getting a lot of a lot of uh messages after the episode but what was interesting was it was very similar to forge and fire where you know there's these judges and then they're judging you based on the criteria of whatever 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 and when so I it's had a knockout to, show that, that people get eliminated, I suppose. Right, exactly. Right, there, okay. And it was interesting because it was a different. It was different than Forge and Fire because it was mostly just about welding and fabrication, 
with having like an artsy quality to it. And it was, and it was the interesting part was I was talking to Leah for quite a while and we were very, very careful. I wanted to be very, very careful about her because I don't know what her NDA is. You know, there's like, mm. you know, she clearly signed some sort of NDA, so she can't say everything. You know, she yeah. can't really. And the other thing is, if she says, if she's a little bit too critical, there is a chance that, you know, if somebody's spiteful enough, they could, you know, say she infringed on whatever. I just wanted to make sure that she was taken care of on the podcast, but yeah. also be free to speak whatever she wanted. And we were very interested in just talking about it as a show and the the good and the bad and, like, it was it was so controversial in, in the metal work for metal workers. I just got bombarded by like the big guys, like the Mount Rushmore metal workers saying that I gave that show a pass and it was a, a one guy who everybody knows told me that show was obscene and as soon as they turned it turned it off they turned it off as soon as whatever happened she you know they turned it off and it was a very very uh it was very interesting because it had such it had such high opinions from people in the metalworking community. And mm. what I tried to explain to her was that this isn't meant for metalworkers. This show exactly. isn't meant for yeah. politics. It's the same reason why Forge and Fire isn't meant for knife makers. They don't target the people who, you know, would, you know, you'd think they're targeting. They're targeting like what we were referring to as civilians. Mm. And it was interesting because it was just this concept of in regards to television. And I was trying to say, I was trying to make the point that ultimately, as I feel that Fortune Fire is ultimately good, Metal Shop Masters is ultimately good because it shows people were doing something that maybe they don't know about or they might have interest in, or this could get someone interested in going to trade school, or this could be something yeah. interested in going to being a bladesmith. Or, but it's like it's so cut and dry in regards to people's opinions and they're so forceful in regards to the same thing when you're talking about with jamie oliver mm. i think if there was a show specifically made made actually for metal workers it's going to be pretty shit it's not going to be entertaining <laughs> you know it really wouldn't i mean this reminds me of uh, i don't know if you've seen it as another netflix show called blown away um, and I, it's the same sort of format from what I can gather this show is where you have a bunch of you know makers and the, these are glass blowers in blown away Oh, right, right, right. And right, I know right. nothing about blowing glass, obviously. But I watch it because it's just really entertaining. And you, you sort of learn a little bit about it, you know, very little. They don't go into, you know, technical technicalities. But that's the reason. You just you just said it because it's for it's for the the filthy public. You know, right. it's not for right. for glass blowers. Right. Um, and that's what I'd imagine how this show is as well. It is. It, it's the all these shows have the ability. In my mind, I'm hoping that they're going to do a degree of education, a simple education. Mm. Like in the first episode, they said the MIG welder does this. And they didn't, yeah. you know, they just said it was basically a hot glue gun, but fine. And TIG welder does this. And then, but that was about it. I mean, it was very like, you know, it didn't give you a whole lot of, you know, feedback. But it was interesting because it's just like made me think about now, how do you do one of these shows that satisfies the public and satisfies the people in the industry? Because like, I, I would imagine that because it's more, fabrication oriented than artistic oriented guys like uh you know miller or you know lincoln or the like mm. the you know the people who make fabrication stuff are going to be like great show what we're you know show this stuff i don't give a shit about what he i don't care if it looks like a monkey or whatever yeah but it was interesting i just found it i find that here's really what it comes down to is i believe that the maker community is on the way of 
being a little bit more broad in the audience. And it's just, I wonder at some point, because people need to do stuff, people need to occupy their time doing something. And I wonder what that's going to look like in the future, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I mean, let's say we were to think of, you know, let's say a, a Netflix producer shows up at your at your shop tomorrow. He's giving you a half hour, you know, to think about it. Say, right, pitch me a show. Pitch me a show now. You know, what would it be? And, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this kind of thing, you know, what would work for a TV, you know, for, as, as a knife maker with regards to knife making content. And I can't see how that would be you know well received how because right. you know for us we think it's a big community because we're sort of embedded within that community but you know the, the average person isn't and we're you know we're, we're a tiny population you know you know people who make knives so i think the only way a show like that could work is if it's combined with other stuff so i was thinking you know how could it work so let's say let's say somebody's cooking a meal so let's say you get a gardener in who then you know grows all the food you then get a knife maker in who you know makes the knife or makes the cutler then you know the tableware you get a potter in who makes the plates and all that kind of thing and you know it could be you know but this whole meal coming together and everything is literally made from scratch right and i think that has got a much broader audience even though you wouldn't be going into the technicalities which is what you know a knife maker would want to see you would you, you simply wouldn't because it would bore the hell out of most people you know you know um, that is fascinating because then all of a sudden you make it like each person is an episode and then the fine finale is the dish exactly bringing everything together right and, yeah yeah, and you can get a great chef involved. Right. So you can get a gardener. You can get, you know, even you know, cooking over fire. People, you know, experts of that could come in, and you know, that to me that would be interesting. But whether that would be interesting to a nineteen-year-old, you know, who works on computers all day, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it. I think the way for makers to get their content out there needs. To, I think maybe making it broader is the way because the more specific you get the narrower that funnel gets and that's well, not what that's not what tv networks want surely but you know it's interesting because we were, i guess we were, last episode we were talking about chef's table or last episode yeah uh fingal and Mareko were talking about mm. uh chef's table and that following the chef through their day was fascinating and i think that when you come up with these strange competitions that are slightly subjective, not to mention there's some unnecessariness, you know, like mm. making, you know, well, for this, you got to use, you know, razor blades and horseshoes and spoons. It's just like, yeah. you really need to, you need to jump through a million. It's just like, they're making it. The problem is, is people make shows based on what other people like or yeah. shows that they've seen before that they like, instead of just taking a chance, you know, they're hedging their bets, like all these forge and fire knockoffs. I mean, obviously, they're not making it because it's like, you know, Forge and Fire has been around, what, 15 seasons, 14, 12 seasons? I don't know. But, I mean, it is still successful regardless of whatever you think about it. And then all these other competition shows are, you know, they're even pitching these shows as this is going to be Forge and Fire meets, you know. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's just like, it's just the way it is. And you wonder what is going to be. And I was talking to Leah this morning and, and um, cause, she, cause the, the episode got really, really, everyone was really happy with her. Everyone was really pissed. Like I was telling her, you got the greatest crew of fucking high level fans of all time. I was sort of reading off all the people who were like, 
you know, pissed that she didn't win. You know, mm. it was just like crazy. If you look at it, it's just like, whoa, this is like kind of crazy. But I mean, I just, I, it seems as though, in, I think that like podcasts, I think maker podcasts have the ability to become more mainstream. But I also think that these TV shows need to be a little bit, be a little bit more, you know, nitty gritty. You know, I don't think you need to have, you know, guys with like, you know, all right, so you're supposed to wear like a chain to your wallet. That makes you, means you're tough. You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah. I don't think you need that shit anymore. I think we just have some real reality, you know? Yeah. You're the, you're the guy in the skirt because there's one in Fortune Fire every week in a skirt. Yeah. These, I mean, it, and then it becomes like, because I pitched a show that uh, I th- was not too similar to what you just said, which was, um, which was basically like a chef and a knife maker. And then the chef says, here's what I'm going to make. And this is the knife I need. And then mm-hmm. the night, half the episode is, is figuring out how to make the knife and giving the people the reason why you'd use the knife. And then you give it to the chef in the second half as he uses it and how he uses it. And it was this, in my mind, all I could think of is how can you get people interested in what we're doing? It's to show them little things about why you need what you need. And it's like, I don't know. I, this show may not, you know, who knows if it's going to get a second season. I hope it does for the sake of, you know, it's one of those things that the more these things come out, the more people show interest. And then mm. hopefully they evolve into being something better. Yeah. But, uh, well, they're yeah. certainly marketing the hell out of it because really, every time I open up Netflix, it's there. It's the main sort of poster image of you know. I, yeah, I'm, that, that surprises me because I mean they don't have an Instagram page, or if they do, it's you know it's a fake. And mm. I mean, people the judges are just getting beat up beat up on Twitter because the interesting thing was talking to Leah, is that because they film the show in October of 2020, it was the height of of covid yeah so one of the things that they don't add to the show which they should have was you know what it took to do the show with hundreds and hundreds of people and support staff and 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 uh sequestering all the contestants and and how you do it in the with covid and it made it far more it was like oh that's the show it's like how do you do a show with like you know how many millions of dollars you pay to make sure that everyone is is healthy and stuff like that and he said that was one of the reasons why they all became very friendly to each other and like almost like they weren't conspiring against each other it was this very loving situation and what happened was it made the judges the heels because you know nobody was like backbiting and nobody was like talking mm. shit and so there you go. Yeah, want to talk about knives or shall we? I tell you, <laughs> let's you just do this first. Combat abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get fifteen percent off with promo code Knife Talk fifteen. Do it now. Do it now. 15% off. Hell of a bargain. Let's go to some questions. Um, we've had questions that have been sent to us via, via Instagram. And they've DM'd them through. And the first one is from CN Knives. Hey, guys. If I do all my grinding in my basement, am I risking potentially damaging my boiler or hot water heater with dust? Could this also potentially be dangerous? Um, I was thinking of putting some sort of curtain in front of these things, but dust and dirt still gets everywhere. Hmm. Um. Yeah, the dust and stuff, damaging stuff. I mean, I've got, I've had a computer that's you know been completely wrecked just because it's been in the shop. Um. And I, you know, I've got like a CNC machine here, and you know, a lot of stuff is exposed on that and that kind of thing. 
it is a massive worry for me, which is one of the reasons why the new shop, I'm having a sort of a clean room and a dirty room. Um, and I think as time goes on, I, I suppose more and more of us will get more um, electronic stuff maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I certainly can see myself getting more and more stuff like that. that we'll have you know stuff that could be damaged by, by dust. Um, what about you, Jeff? Do you have just one big open shop where the dust gets everywhere or do you have sort of cleaner places? What's... I have I have a big shop where I have... Ooh. I, well, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, where I don't do dust collection for the steel. With the, I have dust collection for wood. Like mm. I have a, I have a shop vac which sucks the dust up, but I don't have one for steel because I know that if you, if you use the same dust collector for steel that you do yeah. with wood, you're going to start a fire. So, yeah. one of the things I do worry about, and I have seen in metal shops, is when you're grinding with a grinding grinder or something like that. If you're firing the sparks into like unwilling, unknowingly into a uh, electrical ex- receptacle. That's how you start like a fire. You know, you can actually arc out the, uh, the yeah. you can short everything out because, you know, you're building up all this like steel and then, the you know, they all meet and next thing you know, you get a pop. Uh, I try to cover those. I'm very conscious of like making sure that those are clean. I would stay away from your boiler just because it's like the last thing you want, especially like in the winter time. Like you <laughs> conk that thing out when you really need it. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, I would try to do whatever it takes to, you know, just the thought of being kind of conscious of it is important. Uh, I think the easiest way to do a dust collection for wood is I just have a shop vac and then I, I put it, I kind of clamp it underneath my platen and then I turn it on and then I'm able to kind of get all the, as much, you know, probably 75% of the dust into the, the vacuum, you know, and that yeah. kind of really does take, take down a lot of dust. Yeah. Mine's even more old school. Mine's just a bucket of water under the platen, and as things come grinding off, they you know most of it hopefully goes straight into the water. But uh, well, for yeah, the I mean, steel, I mean, it works. For the steel, that works. But for the wood, the the wood, the wood dust, not, the yeah. wood dust kind of starts flying around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the obvious thing there is just to build some sort of enclosure, really, for the you know for the water tank and the and the, and the boiler. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it's something that people obviously need to be be careful with, particularly with that with those steel sort of they're almost iron filings. Let's face it, and yeah, any sort of electrical stuff they will short out and um, potentially cause fires and break things. So yeah, and not to scare anybody, but we recently had a our our gas company came to install a gas leak meter, and when they came downstairs, I was down with them, and they had this machine that was like I guess electronically smelling the air around the the and there was a very 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 slight gas leak like not noticeable uh, i mean unless you you couldn't smell it you know you put your nose mm. up and you smell it you, you, i mean this guy didn't really you know do the you know the um you know soapy soapy water spray to see if there was it but he could detect it a very very minor leak and then he had a guy come over they tighten everything up and then they put the gas meter on if you have the ability to try to have some sort of gas, you know, smeller or whatever, or a leak detector or something like that. Technical term. You might, that's right, that's what they call it. They call it the gas smeller. It's the French waiter. The French waiter comes along. 
<laughs> the fart smeller. You call it the fucking fart smeller. But it, yeah, I mean, whatever it takes to make sure that you're you know, ultimately, yeah, your gat, your your hot water heater. You want to keep probably as clean as possible and not gunk anything up. But you also want to be, you know, physically safe as well. Mm. Mm. The next one comes from Mark LeBlanc. Hey guys, I have a question slash hot take. When Jeff says uh, to make a good cooking knife, you have to know how to cook. Then can you make a bu- good bushcraft knife if you don't play in the woods or go hunting with a knife or, uh, or don't hunt? Basically mm. what I was getting to the point of, you know, I number said it a few times ago. If you're a knife maker making culinary knives, if you like to cook, you're going to start to notice more subtleties of the things that really matter in the way you make knives. That's really what it means. I, I, I say things on these podcasts a little bit for effect. I have to, like, separate us out from the rest of the flea bags. And if you liked, I mean, that's, a, that's what I refer to other podcasts are, flea bags. If you, if you like to cook and you enjoy cooking and you know how it feels and you get into that flow state and you know what you need to do, there are some knives you like and some knives you don't like. And you figure out what you like about those knives and then you can kind of attribute you know, things that you like to your knife aspects that are good or bad or and i think that once you're learning how that you really need it then you have a better understanding of what needs to be done yeah yeah i think a lot of that comes down to sort of comfort as well if you spend a lot of time in the kitchen holding a knife you'll soon learn about the sharp edges and all the rest of it you know um and i yeah that's going to make it's, it's, it's probably going to make the same sense for you know bushcraft knives and that kind of thing um yeah i mean i i i do you know a camp knife um, but I do spend some time in the woods, you know, I, I'm not hunting with it. I'm not skinning deer with it or anything like that, but I don't make those kind of knives. So, um, it'd be weird if I did make a sort of skinning knife because it's something I've never, ever done and really got no really interest in. So I had another, I had another email sent Tony forwarded me another email. I'm going to paraphrase it just to kind of keep it slow. But a guy says to me, I'm looking for a sax. You know what a sax is? Yeah, yeah. All right, it's so that long Viking knife that looks kind of, you know, some people say, you know, uh, Matt Stagmer says it's it's very, very, very similar to a Bowie knife. He's, I like a sax, and I bought this historical rep- representation of a sax, but the heat treatment was no good. When I go into the woods, I like to have my sax at my side so I can chop wood, and then I can cook dinner, and then I can dig holes, and then... <laughs> It was just like, and it was like, and he's like, you know what I really need is a mix between a butcher knife and a machete. That's really what I need. And we're just like looking like this fucking guy is going to walk around. I said, what's, what's wrong with a saw? No, no one needs a saw anymore. Everybody wants some sacks for chopping wood now. So With a screwdriver and a bottle opener on it as well. You know, that's yeah. all you, actually, that's all you need. A screwdriver and a bottle opener. That's all you need. God. Um, uh where are we? Uh, buried name knives. I also um, have a lot of good tough dilemmas, by the way. This week okay, good. We'll, we'll do that next. Okay. 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 Buried name knives. Uh, question for the next show. Uh, regarding hand sanding, what methods or tricks do you use to prevent the tip from getting super thin or completely removing it or overly rounding the edge uh, between the uh, behind the heel? Um, so he's on about when you're hand sanding and you sort of go off the edge of the blade. Um, how do you stop things from rounding up, rounding off? Um, what, what's your solution to that, Jeff? Recently, I actually, a number of years ago, a friend of mine, Ed Braun, he makes knives down in Atlanta. He used to make these, um, 
like it basically gets a sanding deck. And on the front of the sanding deck, there were these screws to kind of push the micarta tabletop up a little bit in the front to kind mm. of counteract the distal taper of your knife. You know, when you're mm. hand sanding, especially a long chef knife, if you clamp down by the blade, it's, if it's a, if it's a, let's just say for argument's sake that it's a full tang knife, you're clamping down on this on the tang end, you're going to have some parts that are sticking up in the air. And if you're hand sanding and it's like it's like boing you know when you, you know what i'm talking mm, if it's mm. full in the air you're you yeah. might go a little bit too hard in the paint at the tip so the, if you can kind of raise up that tip to the raise up the plate the plate uh the plate that it's on they kind of counteract or or allow it to be flat it just kind of counteracts the distal taper you're not going to be as aggressive on the tip um but it does happen you should i think that one of the things is being able to um lift it up but also like kind of be understand that you don't have to go straight crazy at the end there are some guys like don win who leave material on the extra material on the end like a big rectangular chunk so then then they just and then it allows them to go real thin and then they can kind of clean it up at the end Hmm. what do you think um, I, to me, it's just all about being careful because as you get closer to the tip, there's a lot less material there anyway, so you don't need to be sort of as, as aggressive with it. So you, you generally, this all sounds so sexual, by the way. This, this is what we're talking yeah. about. But as you get into the tip, you can just work it that 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 bit easier Jesus because Craig, we do it. There's less meat there. Oh <laughs> you my, know what I mean, Craig? There's... Craig, <laughs> what are you doing? Talk about uplift. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Blue balls. Um, yeah. There's, there's the fact that there's less width of material Ugh. there means you go in easier anyway. Jeez. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, the main thing is you're aware that it can happen, and once you're aware that it can happen, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna change your your method of stroke. <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's move but, on. Yes, but I tell you what, this I'll reminds what makes me. It, this reminds so me at the on. end. I have to talk about my proctile. My proctile. This reminds me of the of having my prostate checked. We gotta talk about that. Jesus Christ. Every week. We have... I'm the healthiest um, humiliated person on this planet. <laughs> but whilst we're talking about hand sanding, we obviously we need to talk about the, the manufacturer of the greatest sandpaper this world has ever seen, which is Indasa. Uh they make Rhino Wet, which is which is the best sandpaper. It's what I use, it's what Jeff uses, what Mareko uses. I know a bunch of the listeners to the show use it as well. It's the greatest stuff. Um, it saves you time, saves you money, and all the rest of it. So if you go to uh, com, they actually stock Indasa Rhino Wet. So fill up your basket, get as much as you need. Um, but also have a look at the other stuff that they've got. They've got lots of stuff for knife makers and blacksmiths there. Go and have a look because you're going to get 10% off your full order if you use the promo code KNIFETALK10. So that's at texasfarrowsupply.com. There we go. Dilemmas. I hear we have some. Oh man, this this is this has been my this has been so much fun because we're trying to ponder these strange dilemmas and scenarios that we put ourselves in. So if you're listening to the podcast and you want to interact, uh, for sure follow us on Instagram, uh, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, and then I'll usually say, hey, listen, we need questions, or or you can send a listener feedback or tough dilemmas. So you all did a good job. You sent us a lot of good, tough scenarios, and these are to be answered honestly. And then if they're phony, we just say, yeah, it's a phony answer. I mean, once in a while I'll have a phony one, but fine. It's just this is meant to have be conversational. So this first one, 
This is, you know, I usually start off with a kind of a layup. Uh, this one's from Celery Patch Knives. Here's a tough scenario. You spend years of blood, sweat, and tears to build yourself a comprehensive workshop. You've invested tens of thousands of dollars in machinery. You create the workshop for yourself to enjoy. And your friends expect to utilize your wor workshop and consumables to make knives and sell for their own profit. Do you let them in and use and abuse your workshop, or do you lay down the hard truth that it's not there for others as they as to use as they please? What do you do? It's I mean, it's a workspace, isn't it? You know, you don't go into somebody's office and you know chuck them off their computer and say, oh, "I just got on Facebook a second. You know, <laughs> it's their workspace, so they need to treat it with with respect too. And I, and I think that's. That's what it's all about, and I, I get that a lot here because my, my workshop currently here is is in my home. So when we have family and stuff over, they're like, "Oh, come on, we're on holiday. Let's all let's all go to the beach. Let's all do what we need to do." I'm like, "Well, I I work here. You know, this, this isn't for playing. This is this is a workspace. So I think you just need to make that clear to them that you know." You wouldn't do it to their workspace, so that they shouldn't expect it of yours, I suppose. But some people don't listen. Some people, Most people like don't a pop. Listen. Some people <laughs> we know like that. A... Most people don't. Yeah. Some people like a pop in. They like to you know, I just popped in and thought I'd stop by and say hello. And yeah. then it's just like, hey, I thought we could make a knife together. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> we can make a knife together. I don't work. Or yeah. I actually, years ago, I'm probably told this story before, but I had this uh, artist who was, when I was in Brooklyn, he, he had a shop next to mine. And he'd come in when he was, you know, that's what happens when you're with. Other people, like in these communal spaces, somebody gets mm. bored and they want to take a break, and they want to make if you, if they're if they're like unworking, they're not working. They want you to be not working too. This guy would come in and throw darts in my shop, and it would drive <laughs> me crazy. Saying, yeah. And then I was it was so I was just like, hey man, I'm trying to work. He's like, I'm not bothering you. That's what he said. He's like, I'm not bothering you. I'm like, yeah, you're fucking bothering me. I hear these like loud thwacks. He's throwing it so fucking hard. So one day I made like a, I took a, a, a plow shear on it and then I welded it to a hinge. And then I put this giant plow shear in front of the dartboard. And then I locked the darts up. And he was furious with me <laughs> because he thought that it was like, he's like, I can't believe you went all to this trouble to make fun of me. And to, he was. I thought we were friends, and why would you do something like this? I was just like, dude, I told you not to come in here and throw darts when I'm working, and you, you didn't care. But it was this cra I mean, it was like, it was, he was, did not take it well at all. Didn't take yeah. it well at all. But, uh, you know, he was a little high strung. But it, it, it's one of those things, because we're making things, and we're not, you know, we're not, you know, we don't have a boss. We're not checking in each morning. People assume Oh, that you know, yeah. our time can be—you know—we could do that another time. It's right. fine. Let's do something else now. That's—that's that's not the case. Hey, let's go fishing. What do you mean? I can't go fishing. I got all this work. Yeah, you're your own boss. You can go fishing. Like, you know yeah. what? It's nice to go fishing when you have the chance to go fishing. But you know, un unfortunately, people seem to think that when you work for yourself, that means like the same money's rolling in than when you had a job. And it's not—you <laughs> yeah, have yeah. to work twice as hard for less money. So it's just like. Yeah. You're either disciplined and like say fuck off, you know, get out of here. You're not. I th I'm a fan of just being funzy. Like, yeah, you're not coming in here. What are you crazy? Get out of here. Go do something. You know, do some push-ups or something. Leave me alone. Um... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. 
Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Here's the next. Yeah, so the answer is is you tell them to get out. Get yeah, out. Yeah. Leave yeah, yeah. me alone. Lose my phone number. Casey House. Here's a dilemma. Like most large manufacturing companies, we are desperate for skilled employees. Now, here's where it gets a little bit, you know, not. I'm going to read it. Despite having a great culture and team. Machinists and welders especially, our location is in northern Michigan and is beautiful, which recently legalized recreational marijuana. Our pre-employment physical screens for <laughs> is drugs. That a selling point in their ad. <laughs> I <laughs> could smoke shit here. No, I don't think that's the selling point. It's not like it's not like come join us, join our team and smoke marijuana. He, I th- so he says our pre-employment physical screens for t- drugs. And uh, it is taking out some otherwise, which takes out otherwise good candidates. So basically he's saying it's hard to find welders, which is so true. Finding welders to, like, good welders is fucking, you have no idea how hard it is. Yeah. And to, but he's he, basically what he's saying is, is we do have this drug policy where we drug screen everybody. If we start drug screening the good candidates, there aren't going to be any good candidates. Should they change the policy to risk upsetting the culture. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's hard enough as it is, you know, should we just let them smoke some weed or do we change the, the policy or do we risk somebody getting hurt? I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not one for drugs anyway, um, but that's a harsh thing to be drug screened for, for a job where, you know, uh, for for a job as a welder. That's That seems crazy. Well, but I don't know. I mean, any I, you know, a lot of this stuff is for insurance. You know, insurance well, companies, suppose, yeah. assurance companies don't want to like, you know, especially you know if you're doing uh, somebody hurts themselves on the job. You know, if you guys you're, are fucking crazy in America. You know that, didn't you? Well, no. Well, here's what. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're. Yeah, absolutely right. But like here, if you if you're in, if you're in a job, if you're in a shop, I was in a job in a shop where I was opening something up and I cut myself. I felt like I was okay, but my boss wanted to take me to the hospital. It was so weird how he did it because he was afraid that the insurance was going to cover it, and he wanted to, he didn't he didn't want it to affect the insurance of the shop. And is this going to yeah. be on you know unemployment? Is this going to be like it's it was such a thing that like I would imagine these insurance companies, which are criminals anyway, want any reason to raise your rates. And if you have a lot of accidents, you probably have a lot of you know, if there are a lot of accidents, it probably makes insurance very hard to get, you know? So if everyone's yeah, high yeah. as a kite and then they're, you know, mig welding their faces to the <laughs> to the table, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, catching their butts on fire or something like that, you know, do you, yeah. do you like cross your fingers and say, okay, you want to smoke weed? I'm not going to drug test you anyway. What's the answer? It, this This is all just alien to me because, you know, all this talk of, insurance is it, it, 
yeah, because we don't have to deal with that kind of thing here, you know, in Europe. But um, I, 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 I honestly don't. I honestly don't know. It's, this is let's say it's completely alien to me. The fact that you can have to do a drug test to, to, for this for this work anyway. Well, um, but if you can't find the people, they're going to have to look at their at their policies. Surely, if they're not getting the right people, I, it's interesting because. I've been involved in restaurants where they or, or businesses where they do drug test you. I have never been drug tested. And even my wife, who is in uh, medicine, they have the ability to drug test her at any moment. And she has been like on the wagon, no weed since college because she's just like, I'm on the right track for this thing. And I'm not going to throw hmm. my job, my, you know, my job away, if, you know, for this and it's not worth it. But like, She's been in this game for like 20 years. They've never drug tested her. You know, the mm. threat of it's been there, but they've never drug tested her. And she goes, I don't know if they're ever going to drug test me. But, I mean, regardless, I think that I think that you got to, in my opinion, knowing it, because I've been at a shop where we're like, they're desperate for welders. I mean, they're to take people off the street. Got to Got to relax that drug policy. You know, you gotta you gotta get these people in the shop. You gotta get people in the shop. You gotta let let them smoke a little weed. Not smoking weed in the break room, but I mean, like you know, if they're smoking weed on the weekend, who gives a shit? You know, <laughs> I mean, if people go out and drink all night long, people come in hungover all the time. You don't throw them out for that. You know, so yeah, true. If they smoke true. weed at night. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Right. Yeah, they got to look at that policy. They're not getting the right people at the end of the day. They need to look at their policies. It's, yeah. This is a desperate situation because the job market, you know, the f- interesting thing about, I was thinking about this and thinking about you too, is the way that the job markets are changing, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, I mean, you, you and I talk about CNC machines. Hmm. We can name 10 people easily who we know have CNC plasma cutters or CNC machines or whatever. And all those those technologies are definitely changing the you know businesses all of a sudden there there are jobs being taken away because these these things are becoming more common i mean if you look at like toll booth takers there are hardly any toll booth takers anymore because now it's everything's easy pass or it's machines it's yeah. machines yeah. so all these and then even going to supermarkets people get mad because you know the cashiers are getting switched out with these self checkouts hmm. there are a lot of Job, you know, there are more people having kids, and then their technology is taking away more jobs. You know, so it's like at at some point, it's like let them fucking smoke some weed. I mean, who cares? Do you think technology is taking away more do- more jobs, or do you think the the job market is changing and more people are working in technology? I think that there are low level jobs that are going to leave people in the in the lurch, and I think mm. about this quite often. Because I think about the, I think about how easy it is to get technology in your home now that would have been the job of a business. So like I have a, I have a company. My my last shop I was in is this metal shop in in town, and then we worked with the laser company um, that did that did plasma cut parts. And they was it was a break and shear shop. So you know you you get you know what I'm saying. You know break and shear yeah. is. Yeah yeah yeah. So a break and shear shop, and then they had a, a CNC plasma table. And we would order stuff, and then we'd go up to there, and we get it. Well, now you can get yourself, you know, like Chris Zepp and all these other guys, they got these plasma tables. Jimmy's got one. And you can do the same thing at home. 
So, mm-hmm. like, all of a sudden, you are taking business away from these companies. And the same thing is with, like, all the CNC guys. I mean, you talk about, like, I mean, all the guys making grinders, they're getting their stuff sent out. And, you know, they're, you know the, the grinder business is, is, you know, filling up fast. So, it's mm-hmm. I just, I personally believe that people don't like change, number one. And number two... They're, uh, some of them are unwilling or unable to adjust to these new markets. They say, I lost my job, or people don't buy this anymore. I lost my job. Now what do I do? You know, and I, I think that uh, I think it's something that, you know, I do think that technology is definitely costing people jobs. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, but I also think that we're not training people for we're, we're training people in schools for jobs that currently exist where i think in 30 years time those jobs won't exist you know we're not training people to to learn for themselves if, if that makes it but that's that's a deeper subject we can go on to another well, time but th- whilst actually whilst you mentioned chris sepp congrats chris chris because apparently he's getting married today right now yeah he, he, right did now. A, he did a video where he was in the shop saying, I think I'm supposed to be somewhere. It was actually pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, congratulations, Chris. Chris is – he doesn't have enough to do. He's going to get married and have kids. And that's a good dude right there. Chris Zepp's the best. But um, yeah. made me think about – talking about what we're talking about, I just lost my train of thought. I, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's all very problematic. But at the same time, it's like you got to figure out something. But what is interesting is – if you think about the things that won't go out of style, one of the things is customized things, like personalized things and creating something that's from you, from a person, something that you can't, like hammers and knives and, and, and mm. like forged things are, are, are things that you're, you're going to be able to have. You can't, technology can't make your knife, you know. Yeah. And so hopefully that's, you know, but it's definitely something to think about. I, I think about it a lot. Well, I think that's something that society is changing more and appreciating stuff that is, you know, whether whether you want to call it handmade or whatever it is, or, or, you know, made by a small team or whatever, because we're so used to everything we buy just being sort of mass produced and, you know, all down to cost. And most of us have grown up through that, you know, through our lives, seeing, you know, almost like a revolution in the way things have been produced the last maybe 20, 30 years. Um, and now there does seem to be people harking back to <laughs> the good old days. Well, you know what I mean. But right. you know, stuff that is 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 more handcrafted, um, and people appreciated that more. So you know, long may that continue. I suppose. Well, there's a lot of dilemmas in that too. Like you know, the technology, like the T-shirt game, has been interesting to me because you know a lot of makers find these companies that you know you upload your image and then they'll make hmm. the t-shirt we did it when with when we started with t-shirts with knife talk yeah, and then they update them they yeah. upload them and then they and then they make the t-shirts and then they sell them to order and then they'll take your money and then they'll ship them out and you don't have to do anything you know as a as a you know custom knife maker where you're dealing with handmade stuff and handcrafted stuff do we all we have some sort of responsibility for that I personally, just because I feel obligated, I and because I know the goddamn guy who makes my T-shirts, I have to go buy them, buy the hats and T-shirts. I buy them in bulk from him, and then I sell them as is, because yeah. I feel but you, it's important. You, you've got you've got a sort of a, a, a sort of part of that pie, if you know. What I, mean. I don't mean financially, but you're actually involved in that 
Whereas like you talked about using one of these, you know, these drop source companies where you literally just upload your logo and that's it. They take care of everything else. How is, you know, how is that a t-shirt of a, of a certain maker? It's not, is it? It's just got his brand on it, you know? It's, 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 it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. We find ourselves in these hip, hypocritical situations often that yeah. we have to kind of massage down to being okay about. And that's just kind of the way it's going to be because, you know, there's, you can only do so much, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I, find, I find it all. I find, you know, technology is amazing. I mean, think, you know, I was going to tell you, you can make it all the old jokes you want, is when I had my shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, 1996, all I had was a pager. And there, I had to go when I get the, you know when I get the call. I had to go down the street to the payphone to answer the call, you know. Mm. So like, and you think about that it was thirty years ago to now, thirty years ago, yeah, something like that. Probably a more than that. But uh, I mean, you think about that. You think about like how we've changed in terms of not only the technology of people finding out who we were. We get messages from people saying, I'm a knife maker and I'm trying to build my brand. I'm trying to build my audience on Instagram. How do I do that? I used to have to make postcards, find galleries, put stamps on them, and cross my fingers that they were going to write back. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like now everything's at our fingertips and then companies, even like marketing companies are going out of business because it's like, I can do it myself. I'll do Instagram myself. I'll be my own marketing. I'm not paying someone. Yeah. I find it fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, how quickly things have changed, too. It's so crazy. Who's, it's totally who's crazy. to know what's going to happen, you know, when my kids are, you know, in their 20s? Oh, yeah. They're going to be, like, shooting information out of their eyeballs, you know? Yeah. I mean, be... my wife was saying the other day, she was saying, like, do we need to sort of set up some sort of fun now for when they're big enough, you know, to, you know, for their first car and all that kind of stuff? And I'm like, they probably won't have a car. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, they won't have a car like we had a car, you know, an old banger that you learned to drive. Right. If they do, it'll probably be a self-drive thing. But personally, I don't think, you know, they'll even have that. I think they'll be, you know, just, just cars. They can just jump in and it'll take them where they need to go, you know? It's crazy. Everything is a service kind of thing. But, yeah, who knows? Next 20 years will be a big change again, oh, it'll be I'm a sure. blur. It's going to be a blur. It's going to be a total where blur. Where were we? Where were we? Let, okay, let the world of smoke weed. That, 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 was, that was the answer to that. Let the world of smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, let them all smoke. We're all we, That was like pot talk. That was our like a little pot. To, oh, man, what are we going to do when the aliens come? You know, that was our, that was our little. <laughs> you hungry? You hungry? <laughs> yeah. I'm super hungry. You have any bolognese? God. <laughs> got a thousand fonts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which font do you want? I want Comic Sans, please. <laughs> Comic Sans Bolognese. All right. Uh, this Here's a tough scenario. It comes from Joel Shepard. Hey, guys, here's a tough scenario. A major media outlet releases a video presenting some false or misleading information about your knives or your knife making. They're going to use your knives in a demonstration. And before you can react, they contact you saying that they want you to go along with it. And they're going to want your full endorsement. And then they name your price. What do you do? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, how much would it would it cost for somebody to? Would, yeah, if they say, "Listen, we want stuff, you to be a, you're, you're going to take a dive. Will you take a dive? <laughs> you're gonna, this is this is completely aimed at me. I know because no. everybody's going to say, "Of course, I'll take the money." Um, Depends what the cost is. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about everything is for sale. We've talked about this before. My self-respect is for sale. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there now trying to think up scenarios thinking, would Craig sell for that? The answer is yes, at a cost. I'll sell anything for that. Yeah. 
but you do yeah. but the problem the problem with all these things i see it more with like famous people where they're selling their reputation like when they get on these shitty shows like these mm. like i guess they used to call them I, I was listening to howard stern this week and he was talking about dancing with the stars and he was saying when it first started when dancing with the stars first started it was this summer replacement show it wasn't supposed to be as big as it was and he says and it was like these nobodies and it was like people who were like at their last straw they ain't gonna get famous again you know this Mm -hmm. is not a john travolta being found by quentin tarantino moment you know this is like this is like some dope from somewhere dancing around with a you know dumb haircut and (laughs) and it's like you you see these people and you see how the decisions that they've made have affected their legacy you know, yeah. you think about like here. Perfect example is uh, Robert De Niro. For years and years and years, he didn't do interviews. I was going to mention De Niro. You you go, and I'll talk about something that he's doing over here. But go on. Sorry. Well, it's interesting because you know, for years and years and years, he he he. Same thing with Jack Nicholson. Same thing with like these big dudes who knew that they were going to be big, and they were very careful about their persona, and then they refused to do things that were beneath them. And that, like Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger doesn't fucking mm. show up at like Dancing with the Stars. He's just like, I'm fucking, I'm not, you know, he can't, I'm Mick, you can't yeah. get him any, you can't get him anywhere because he knows he's fucking Mick Jagger. I'm not fucking around with my reputation, you know? And it is interesting because you do think about what's the breaking point of, is this going to affect me later in life? The decisions yeah. that I make now, you think about these reality shows. I would imagine that some people think I get on these shows and maybe I, you know, I hit the bricks in the first episode. Is that going to affect the way people perceive me down the line? You know, I'd, I'd say in that particular instance, probably not. Right. Probably not. Because I, I can't see people, let's say knife makers. Um, I can't see, you know, winning a forged in fire as an example, you know, completely changing their career. They might have a little bump of sales, but you know, there's another, you know, there's another show next week with another bunch of people, and right. the next week again, next week, you know, it's just constant fodder. But it's interesting what you say about uh, Robert De Niro, you know, megastar known globally around the world, but like he does well back in the UK, he does like a, a TV ad that literally for sliced bread. There's a there's a there's a, a brand that sells sliced bread yeah. called Warburton's, and Robert De Niro's in that ad, and now I'm thinking. How much did they pay pay him for this? You know, and I don't know. I just find it really weird. You know, when you say you know beneath people, that that's that's an advert for sliced bread. You know, and this, this isn't some big global company. This is you know a, a small bakery in the UK. You know, it's it's bananas, bananas. But um, yeah, I don't quite understand. It's interesting. That is interesting because there are a lot of uh, actors who've gone to do Japanese commercials. Like Brad mm. Pitt and Arnold Schwarzenegger, who would never do commercials before, you know, when they, at the height of their fame, and it's because their main audience is the United States. So if they slip off to do some like, you know, I got to pay my alimony <laughs> job, possibly. That's yeah, what. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. There was this. There was this. Uh, who was this actor? He was one of the Quentin Tarantino's guys, and he was like, he was the guy in Reservoir Dogs who cuts the guy's ear off. You know what I'm talking about? You know the guy um, I'm talking about? I look like him in fucking when I was in the running in the marathon. And so many friends. 
God damn it. It was that fucking big dope, dope with the crit hair. He looked like, you know what I'm talking about. The no, guy who cuts I, the I ear off and I've seen it. screaming I at the phone, like screaming at me. I got to figure it out. He would, he was in, he's in all uh, Quentin Tarantino's movies. And he said, there's some movies you do f- because you got to pay a bill. And I hmm. think that the, some of these guys find out these like weird places that, you know, most Americans won't see, won't be on like national TV. And then they're yeah. just like, fuck it. I got to, you know, my, my con ed bill just came in. I got, I got to fucking pay it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. The answer is, is I don't know. It didn't really matter. Yeah. I don't know the answer is. Everything, everything for a price for me, I'd say. I know. You know, that's fine. You know, who's, who's to say you would? There are a lot of like, in quote, in the questions, there are a lot of in quotes of, uh, you know, life-changing money. We've created this concept of life-changing money. Um, uh, okay. Here's a tough one. This is from James Marston. Uh, the producers of Forge and Fire contact you guys and offer you a very generous sponsorship for the podcast, uh, along with a 15% discount off Forge and Fire cutlery at particular <laughs> At participating Walmart stores for your listeners. Perfect. In exchange for two plugs uh, weekly for the show during your podcast, along with the conditions that one of you would willingly step up to become one of the judges on the show if any of the current judges had to quit or whatever. So we're back up. We're we're, we're back up. Um, uh, Would you do it? We plug them every week. That it's not always a positive plug, but we talk about them every fucking week. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, you know, it would be lovely to say that where you know the three of us are in a position where we'd we'd say no. But again, it's one of those things. If the price is right, we would because none of us are in that position where we're we're comfortably enough to say you know we don't need that money. You know, if you know if somebody's offering us a big chunk of money. We're taking it's, it. <laughs> Come yeah, on, we're just stupid. Time straight. Do you yeah. guys think that but, we're like you were like in Beverly Hills riding like a Bugatti? We're like just <laughs> eking it out, man. We're eking exactly. it out. Where I'm yeah. sitting in my fucking van, my my car in the shop with the lights off. I couldn't get my computer going five minutes ago. I mean, we're, we're you have a bad idea of how we're actually living. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another. There's a couple other ones that are not too far off. Um, uh, oh, here's from Rainy Day Forge. Here's a tough scenario. A friend, not a close friend, asks you to make a knife. It's a machete, actually, so it takes a lot of time. Because you have some time on your hands and you're looking for a project to make, you basically charge just for materials. The blade turns out awesome, and then 10 months go by, and he breaks the blade. Do you replace it? Uh, you, don't have the, uh, you don't have that amount of time on your hands anymore. Do you tough it out? He's talking about his friend Lando, I think. <laughs> yeah, L- Lando. We mentioned like the chat. Lando might be that guy. Yeah, Lando <laughs> might be that guy. Um, I mean, if if you're selling something um just for material cost, there needs to be an understanding there as well that you know that that they haven't really paid for your time as such. So yeah, if they break it and they want a replacement or they want it to be fixed, whatever it is, they need to pay for your time. Without a doubt, without a doubt. When you're talking to a friend and they know what you've done and then they mistreat it and break it, you got to say to them, like, look, dude, I ain't giving you another free one. You know, it's just like you got to, like, you pay or not. I mean, at at some point there needs to be some sort of conversation. 
and you say, Lando, look, you weren't supposed to use that machete to, <laughs> to the way you did. You know, it's not for that. And then you'll understand. And then you just be like, look, I'll fix it for you, but you got to pay for it. I mean, this is business. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Want a couple more? Or... Let's do one more. Right. Let's do one more. Man. And then we'll talk about um, some of our lovely sponsors. All right. Here's uh, this one's from Frontier Man Gear. Frontier's Man Gear. Hey, boys. You as individuals and the podcast are offering life-changing money. I had to life do it Life-changing money. Life-changing <laughs> money to switch sponsors from your current sponsors to their direct competitor. You have to do the classic ad reads uh, about best best out there and only XYZ will, will only ever use. Do you do it? Can your word be bought when selling products? I didn't think we needed to answer this because we've actually done this. So it's like I thought it would be just interesting <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> but the thing is, it it gets awkward. So we used to do sponsors. Um, so they'd contact us, and we'd say, you know, how many shows do you want to do it for? And we'd be okay, okay. Um, but you know, the sponsor, the current sponsors that we've got, we genuinely use their products. We we really do. Um, and so what what we said is that we don't want to be in a situation where, in six weeks' time, you know another let's say a grinder company comes to us and says you know would you advertise our grinder because we've already shown that yeah we're going to take their money we've already shown that in, yeah. in these questions not even life-changing money <laughs> not, even like, <laughs> not even making your bed money <laughs> so we've chosen sponsors that we genuinely do use and we generally do appreciate and and we've gone for sort of longer term deals with them so they all you know without you know the there's no big secret here, but they all they all signed like a yearly contract with us. Um, but you know, if if after that year um, they they don't want to renew, and another company would come to us with a similar product, um, if it's a bad product, I I personally don't think we would. Um, but we generally say to them, well, you know, prove it to us. You <laughs> know, um, if it's a good product, we, we we'd be happy to. Um, I think that's the way it is. The interesting thing is we've all had a number of conversations with different... I've had conversations with different competitors. Yeah. And I've had really good conversations with them, but I've always said Even Heat and Combat have been with us from the beginning, and they've been very loyal to us, and we personally don't feel comfortable not being disloyal to a company that we've you know been dealing with for so long. The other mm. thing is is... It's just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like you were saying, you know, sometimes a grinder company doesn't want to keep sponsoring the show, you know, and then, you know, that's fine. I think that we're very honest with the things that we do. There have been situations where we had received things. We're not going to talk about them that we just couldn't do, you know. Yeah. Books. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about them. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of books. But let's just keep it vague. But like we just couldn't do it, you know. And there's, you know, quite regularly we'll, we'll, you know, other sponsors will reach out to us and say, you know, and we'd say, well, you know, we, we can't simply because it would be, you know, a direct comparison to a sponsor that we currently have. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in the future we couldn't work with them. But um, that's that's the way it is. And just so we're 100% clear, I won't full blast podcast. I'm very, and I've told Craig this, I will not take competitors' uh, products. And I, tr- I try to be very careful about the products I do I use as sponsors because number one, I don't want to compete with knife talk, but at the same time, it's like, I want to be 
I want to be, you know, I want to be cool with all of the sponsors. I mean, these are small businesses. We're not yeah, talking yeah. about like DeWalt and Milwaukee. Fuck those guys. If they want to pay us a lot of money to advertise their, their drill bits, fine. But I mean, if like, I mean, I'm, they're not listening to this podcast. So it's like yeah. we're dealing with small businesses. So it's like it would yeah. be hard for us to, you know, we have conversations with them all, you know, and we're I think we've been very loyal to all of them and they've been loyal to us. Yeah. And, and let's face it, that with a bunch of the sponsors as well, we could have actually taken more money, um, but then we wouldn't be able to do the discount. So we always make sure when we get a sponsor on board that we get a discount for the listeners as well. And you've never um, raised the rates. Yeah, even if that means talking them directly through the camera on a live show and saying, <laughs> there is a discount, isn't there, for the, for the, for the listener? Poor pair. And then sort of going, squeeze. You gave the squeeze. <laughs> but yeah, so basically all of our sponsors, um, we get a discount for you guys. So that, that you know, that, that's quite important to me anyway. Otherwise, oh, you know. this is something I wanted to bring up. Speaking of sponsors, thanks to all the sponsors for the Full Blast podcast. I got a Peloton. I love it. And uh-huh. what was interesting to me, and I've been, I've been, I've run it uh, ten times, and it's been great. I enjoy it. I enjoy the classes. What's interesting to me is I found this connection between technology, the technology of Peloton, and some kind of similarities between what we're doing with the podcast. The idea is if you just want to get yourself a a fitness bike, you get a fitness bike, but what they're selling is these classes with these Mm. trainers who are talking you through a class. And what they're doing is they're occupying your time. It's the same thing a lot of people listen to this podcast while they're they're, uh, uh, hand sanding, you know, to occupy their time. This is the this whole podcasting thing, and it's all kind of very similar to these new technologies in terms of keeping people company and creating this kind of vibe. But I just want to talk about th- thank the you know listeners because now fat ass is getting some up. getting some get some weight peeled off them. How's, how's the chafing? Oh, dude, I feel like dude. I've I look I am looking good. That's all I'm saying. I'm <laughs> aging gracefully, my man. I'm going to be a knuckle in no time. A fucking Muscly knuckle. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Which brings us on to talk about one of our sponsors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, um, Dharma Steel. Um, we got involved last year with their, um, their Chef Invitational, which they have a live event, which is a great event. Really is cool because people can come along and speak to the makers, and, and it's just really cool. See some really nice stuff. But they've got another one coming up, which is on uh, November the 13th. Um, so I think we're going to be doing a live show. We're going to do something. We need to work it out. We'll do something. Um, and yeah, a bunch of great, great makers again. Um, they'll have great, great knives um, for sale. Um, so yeah, definitely stick it in your calendar, November thirteenth, because last time it was it was such a good fun show to do. We got we got a chance to speak to lots of the makers, and we we had a joke and we had a laugh. It was it was really cool. it was awesome. So, yeah. So if you want to see some cool knives. Um, Look at the Dharma Steel Chef Invitational. They'll put up all the knives that they've got there. Um, Jeff's still trying really hard to get to get his knife listed. I think. We'll see how that goes. Give it up. I think he may just, you know, if we're doing a live show, I think he may just sort of, you know, brown bag it, as they say. We'll, <laughs> yeah. see, we'll see how we go. <laughs> I, how much trouble would I get if I brown bagged it in the Dharma Steel Invitational? Be, it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about brown bagging it. I won't brown bag so, up here. Don't worry. 
So I'm not sure if um, the invites are open yet, so you can actually book your place to go. Um, um, but as soon as it is, we'll let you know. Uh, but if you do want to get hold of some Dharma Steel yourself, um, you can head over to the website. Once you sign in and everything, if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off any Dharma Steel that you buy, um, which is a good, good saving. So, yeah, but you said, make sure you do that. You said it was going to be a place. I thought it was going to be virtual again. Yeah, it's a virtual thing again. Right. Yes, okay. yeah, but you know, but we, you know, we have like a room, don't we? Like a virtual room, and you know, we get the makers to come in and we have a chat and that kind of thing. That so, was yeah. awesome. That was that might have been one of our top ten shows. I think so. It was real good fun. It was very sort of seat of your pants because we spoke to, I'd say, the majority of the makers, and you know, with varying connections and that kind of thing. Um, and they're all excited because they're selling knives as well, and it was all very sort of in the moment. It was just, yeah, it was really good fun. And Fingal sold everything and just hung out like a like a bastard. He hung out. He, he did, was, yeah. He sold everything fast. He was like, all right, I got to leave this booth and go hang out with the boys. It was great. Yeah. And he got to the point where we get other makers in and saying, how are the sales going? And they were like, it's okay. It's okay. I'd be like, oh, that's Fingal there. <laughs> all with a grin gone. on his face. Yeah. <laughs> Already into the wine. He's yeah. my favorite scamp. He is such a fucking scamp. <laughs> He's the greatest. Yeah. He's very cool. He's very cool. Uh, what else we got? Do we have any... Um, advice from the listeners uh we have listener feedback we have listener Same feedback we thing. have <laughs> uh okay here's a good this is a good one this one comes from andy neal so yeah so if you get once again instagram knife talk podcast and then you can send us some listener feedback listener feedback this is actually pretty funny i shouldn't do this first i'm gonna do it first hi guys i just wanted to say thank you for helping me through a unique little situation recently Having now got three kids, I decided it was time for the snip. Got the vasectomy. My doctor told me that it was a relatively straightforward procedure that should ca- uh, uh, be last about 30 minutes. It's done with a local anesthetic, and my doctor said I was welcome to take some headphones to listen to some music or a podcast while he did the job. The irony was I was listening to Knife Talk to distract me from my vasectomy. Uh, and it was it was lo- it was neither lost on me nor the doctor. So my man, my, God bless you, Andy Neal, for <sighs> listening to this bullshit while you're getting your tubes cut up. Oh, you geez. know, there's there's talk about that in this house, and um, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Even, even why? Oh, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tell you a story. Actually, go ahead. So, Let's talk about it in the house. I mean, I was, I was saying, I was saying to my wife, you know, what what happens? You know, what 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 is actually done? And she started laughing because she was speaking to her friends, and and one of their husbands um, had a story where <laughs> he was speaking with his buddies, and one of his buddies went in for a vasectomy, um, and they, you know, he was he was in and then back out, and apparently stitched up or whatever right. happens. And they, but they do say. Um, not to um, ejaculate for I think I think they told him six weeks. No, that's not uh, true. How, I don't know how long it is, but anyway, he he went home and he was just like, I got the house to myself here, and he he's still raw at this point, but he he decided to uh, to, to knock one out, and um, whatever happened, he got an infection or whatever it was, had to go to the doctors. Um, to the point of for the next six months, he had to go to the doctors every two weeks to get one of his balls drained. What the fuck? Just because he couldn't hold it in. This is, this is bull- Listen, 
shocker of shockers, I got a vasectomy. And that's they, right. they want you to jerk off to make really? sure. Yeah, because not, I mean, not immediately. It's not like, all right, time to go home and <laughs> masturbate. But they, but it's to, it's to, the whole idea is, is they want to make sure that you're, you're, you're sterile. You know, they don't want any, you know, because after, you know, that you do it beforehand and then they, right. ha- I'm not, P.S., I got knocked out. I won't listen to shit. I was fucking, out. Hey, you, you're going to do this to me. You got to put me out. You got to do anything you got to do. You got to put me out. I can't handle any of it. And then after, I think it was like a week or two, they wanted you to masturbate. A f- I shouldn't even. I, 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 they wanted you to be, take care of yourself. So oh, you need to bring a sample in for them to check. No, assume, they want you it? to do it like five or six times before oh. you come back because there's some, you know, there's some str- stragglers in there when they cut the, you know, Clean they cut you up. loose. So you got to make sure that you right. rotate the, the milk, <laughs> rotate the stock out. <laughs> You gotta rotate out, so yeah. Oh wow, okay. it's not that bad. Okay. It, you know, I'm gonna just without being too gross. There's no notice. You don't notice anything. You don't really notice anything. It's it feels okay. weird for the first couple of days after, but it's fine. My dad had a lot of kids from different marriages, and it was like one of those things where I, I was very very conscious of the fact that I was gonna like break the cycle. I didn't want hmm. you know there. I got too many half siblings. It's just like right. Okay. It's like yeah. I ain't doing that to my kid. Uh, congratulations! Informative show this one this week. What? What's the big deal? We've got to give them something. We've got to give them something interesting. We've got to separate ourselves off from the flea bags. <laughs> this one comes from Fiery Ice Forge. That's Ben. Now that you guys have hit the 200th episode mark, what does doing this podcast every week without fail mean for you guys? What do you think it means to the listeners? Personally, I started listening to the show just shortly before Mareko and Jeff joined permanently. Uh, I just caught up with all the episodes when you guys came up on as guests for the first time. The development and the progress and the versatility of the show has continued to make the show for me uh, make has continued to make the show for me more of the way you guys operate to do something you really want to do and make it happen. I appreciate you guys. So hmm. I, there is there's something to be podcasts come and go. And one of the reasons why is because they don't have a set schedule. Yeah. If we had to, like, wrangle every week to figure out how we're going to do this, we wouldn't last 200, 200 episodes. Yeah. There's no way. And that would be the hardest part of doing it as well, you know? But the fact that we set aside, you know, I always say it's going to be, you know, we'll be sort of 90 minutes. It's it's two and a half hours, really, by the time you set up and we do the whole show. And then there's another sort of, two three hours sometimes of editing or whatever it needs to be done so it's yeah it's it's a production but like you said if we've got this sort of time in our schedules which we which we make for it which is which is why it works but yeah just thinking back you know over 200 shows now and how different it was you know those first few shows particularly before you and Morocco joined very very different you know in regards to style and so on and i think that's why this show has worked because we've given ourselves that time to sort of develop, you know, this relationship where we know, you know, we don't know what each other's going to say, but we, you know, we know each other's personalities and we're comfortable with each other. Um, but maybe a lot of podcasts, you know, they, they'll go for, you know, maybe they'll hit two dozen episodes, maybe they hit three dozen, but they don't have that time to sort of mature maybe um, of, of the guests getting to know each other. Because, I mean, we've never met, you know, yeah. outside of outside of a podcast. That's crazy. Um, but yeah. 
but it does feel as if that you know I'm just speaking to a buddy every Friday right. night. You know, it's it's, it's interesting it because I do know of a number of podcasts are just. I feel like some people start podcasts because they think they're supposed to, or they think that they hmm. like to talk, and they don't realize to you know uh, Jimmy Duress is uh, baking it. They've been there on like episode 300. Jimmy says hmm. we show up a Wednesday morning at nine. But without fail, you know, we don't talk yeah. beforehand and stuff. And one of the things is having us now that we're doing the podcast on Fridays with the live audience, it gives me time to do all the the show notes, questions and feedback and all these things. And it allows me to do it with time to think about what we're going to, you know, think about a story. I, mean, I usually try to really think about a funny story that would be interesting. And I think that there's a lot of podcasts out there who are evolving now to the point where they're getting a lot better. And I wanted to give a shout-out to um, a Workford podcast with uh, B. Cone Knives has been awesome. And if you're going to listen to one of the episodes, the episode where he had his shop broken into is a master class in storytelling that B. Cone Knives. He's done a great job. He's a great addition to the guys. He's And they talking to each other as opposed to, you know, spouting out to the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one uh, shout-out to is uh, Toby fire and steel they've been doing a great job he's got honor Kagler on and they're talking to each other and they're having a conversation and it's great those two have been doing a really really great job in terms of like really good listening good mind control it's uh they're both fun to listen to yeah yeah and i think that's key like you just said talking to each other yeah. Um, cause you know, when we do the show, uh, yeah, we're aware that, you know, people are listening and particularly when we're doing, you know, the live show with the video and so on, but that, you know, that interaction helps the show as well because, you know, we, we can call out to the, you know, what they're chatting about right. and all the rest of it and the people can get involved, but basically we're just chatting to each other, Yeah, you know, and you know, we genuinely have, you know, what have you been up to this week? We, you know, I, I want to know, it's not just part of the show, you know? Do you have any podcast recommendations? Cause I have one, I have one coming up. No, not really. Um, I have, I go through phases where I'll listen to podcasts, you know, for months and months. But like now, I haven't listened to podcasts for so long. Um, no, I don't. I'm afraid. My really wife don't. turned me on to this one. It's called Blind Spot Road to Nine Eleven, and it isn't. It isn't. It's this. Uh, I guess it's WNYC Studios and the History Channel, and it's like this in depth reporting on. Um, the beginning of what led up to 9-11 and it's like this procedural it's exciting there's these stories with like they're talking to these fbi moles and informants and and doing all these like you know like these informants or uh infiltrating the blind sheik and it was it's a the it's called blind spot the road to 9-11 and it isn't like i i haven't i've been on like the first season and i have not started crying or anything like that so it's definitely not like too like upsetting it's actually very much like a spy novel um i would definitely support mm. do that and then go listen to work for it and go listen to uh, you know also handmaid's been really good lately and so is uh toby knife and steel mm. Whilst we're talking about nine eleven, because obviously the, you know we had the big anniversary right. just just come, um, and there's been lots of content out there, you know, across TV, radio, and all the rest of it. Um, but the BBC had this documentary um, called Inside the President's War Room, where basically it's a documentary about that day for, from um, Bush's uh, right. perspective. Um, it's incredible. Is it? So th- there's obviously the famous clip that we've all seen where he's at the school and he's told, you know, what's happened. Yeah. Um, 
but you get to see sort of his perspective of why you know he didn't just leave immediately you know and and the fact that you know he's thinking that you know he's taking his time and he's thinking and and the fact that you know they were up on um um, Air Force One, for, you know, for so long they had to be diverted, and and all these things happened that you know I I didn't know what happened at the time. Um, it yeah, it was just a really good insight. So I don't know if you, I'm not sure if you get it over there in the states, but yeah, it was called Inside the President's War Room, and it was basically the, you know, he had cameras on him all day because yeah. it was like a press day for him as well, right. and they didn't leave him. They had to, they were on Air Force One with him, and nobody could leave because of the security implications of it all. They were like, "Do we have a mole even on the plane with us?" And it it was it was incredible. It was really really good gripping stuff. I listened to the day on nine eleven. I listened. I always listen to the memorials, and they interviewed Condoleezza Rice. You know Condoleezza mm. Rice. She's is? she's she's in this documentary a lot as well. Dude, yeah, she yeah. is genius he's she's like a professional concert pianist as well i mean she's like this is like she is a she's a genius and she talked about these at the time the conversations that she had to have with uh cheney dick cheney Mm. saying if any airplanes don't respond you have to shoot them down and she was explaining what that feels like yes and it was intense she was in this documentary and the fact that that plane went down that flight 93 93 yes and they were like did we do that because they weren't sure because they'd made the order to shoot it down dude yeah i can't i mean i already got the goosebumps i have like now my wife and i get have a physical reaction to thinking about Mm. 9-11 because like she told me what goosebumps are and i because i said to him like how come every time we talk about our memories we on 9-11 we talked about the we re-talk about what happened and where we were together and we actually talked to a friend of ours who was with us and it's very intense, and we get goosebumps. And I said, "What is goosebumps anyway?" And she goes, "That's like fight. That's your bo- that's your body being in a fight or flight situation. Like your your brain is telling your body that you need to either fight or run. And it's so is it that your muscles tensing up? It's is that your what it is? skin. They're, they're... It's not your muscles. It's your skin. Yeah. Your skin is wow. te- is giving you this like feeling that something bad is going to happen so the point is is the trauma that you've had is embedded in your brain and you unconsciously send your skin these signals of trauma based on thinking or talking about it's fucking crazy so what about like when you sometimes you like hear a song um you've never heard it before so it doesn't it's got no associated memory with it but sometimes like a like a melody or something can make you know you get the goosebumps. What's all that about? There's then? good and bad traumas. You know, there's not really a good word for the anti-trauma. You know, there are good memories, mm. that good things that happen that remind you of things, and then you just have these physical responses based on something. That it's it's usually always uh, subconscious, something that happened from your childhood or either a fond memory or a trauma or something like that. Like, I'm finding more, myself having more... Physical and mental tra- not physical, mental traumas more of directions that I do now. Like I told you, when, on 9-11, I, I, I was out in, like, cut-off sweatpants shorts with no wallet, nothing, and we had to walk three miles. And from now on, like, when I wake up, I get dressed for the, the all – I don't fump around in my pajamas, like, ever. Yeah. Like, you will never catch me fumping around unless I'm really sick in my pajamas because yeah. I know that like and I, and I was thinking I was like, why don't I do that or why did I hate it I hated it my kid had this this, this fucking school they would do pajama day at the school and I would get crazy 
and I couldn't, I couldn't, I said, why are they doing this? This is ridiculous. You guys should be dressing for success or something. You shouldn't be like fumfering around in your pajamas. And then it dawned on me that like my whole feeling of not being prepared for in an emergency situation where you might have to do something, you don't want to be fucking caught in your pajamas. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I found the perfect shoes for you this week. Go ahead. Um, Combat Crocs. Oh. So imagine some Crocs, you know, yeah. comfortable, yeah. ugly oh, yeah. ass things. Yeah. But imagine them like a combat style. Right. With like a knife sheath on the front oh. and all this like webbing and strapping on. I thought that'd be perfect for you. Oh yeah, well always my, prepared. Send me send me send me the send me the link. Promo I code knife pot. <laughs> Promo code knife <laughs> uplift ten. We're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> yes, the, the yeah. band's gotta be sponsored. Yeah, so. you can also get some Fortune Fire Cutlery, you're fifteen percent off too, with Knife Talk fifteen. Do you know what those those shoes would probably be good with? No, Broadback Ironworks grinder. Probably keeping those little grindies out of your toes. Keep those yes. toes clean when you're using that broad, Broadback Ironworks grinder. But the great thing is, is if you're worried about your toes, you can turn it vertically or horizontally. You can turn it horizontally, and then your toes are going to be fine. This thing is versatile. <laughs> Horizontal, vertical. It's got a giant platen. It's got great attachments, including the Mareco Double D. What they call the Double D? Is it? It should be called the Mareco Double D. Pull. The DP. The D- <laughs> How dare you, sir? This is the Mareco did a uh, a collab. It's the deep platen. The, the Mareco deep platen. Yeah, I don't think DP is appropriate. Do you? I mean, <laughs> think of something better than that. Better than Double D. I don't know if it's better than Double D. That's fine. The Mareco's Platin is an awesome Platin. It's perfect for, especially if you're grinding your handles. He did a video on how he uses it. He's able to go. That is one thing about a grinder. Uh, the Platin is you can go if you're doing the inside of your knife. You Sometimes, the out, it, sometimes it's hard to do both sides on either side because you bump into the, the Platin. So the D-Platin allows you to uh, get in there on both sides. So if you go to broadbackironworks.com, you put in promo code, is it Knife Talk? Well, knife, knife Talk 10? No, I, I don't think so. I think now they're not doing the discount. They're not doing the 10% discount. Put in Knife Talk, just Knife Talk, the, yes, and then yeah, you get yeah. the upgrade for the Mareco Platin instead of, I think instead of a regular Platin. I'm not 100% sure. But you get the yeah. upgrade. So get the, I would, I would, if you're listening, Vince, I wouldn't mind the the Mareco Double D Platin because it looks like it would be a real helpful. The DP, to me. the DP, the, the, the Mareco the DP. D Platin. So regardless, they're a great small business. They're knife makers making uh, grinders for other knife makers. They do a great job. It's a great product. It's a great deal. They have tons of different attachments, especially if you're if you're uh, if you have you know if you have something that you you say I got a grinder. The attachments will fit your grinder most likely. So give it a yeah. try. Broadbackironworks.com. Put in Knife Talk to get the upgrade for the discount. Oh, the reason why there's no 10% discount is they drop their prices anyway. So oh, you wow. get that anyway. Broadback Ironworks. There you go. There you go. There you go. Do you think that's a show? Why not? Why not? We did a good job. Okay. I think so. Yeah, we missed we missed the clever fella, but um, we we managed to scrape through. Stick around, folks. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. We don't need to do the full thing, do we? I don't know. It's just, you're nah, the guy touching the, the buttons. Thing. You're doing the buttons. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I haven't had much of an opportunity this show to touch the buttons, you know. And I, well, you, I mean, you know, this touch. has been without all the people piping in. We were able to kind of like just do a old school. I had yeah. I had to tell you the story just because it's just it's the it's it it's not the final humiliation, but it's one of them. So a number of months ago, I got a colonoscopy. And I told you everything. I had the polyps. This is the bit of the show where we talk about Jeff's ass, which you do every week now. Hey, we, hey. we did his balls for a few weeks. Hey. Now we've, we've moved slightly, slightly east. Fine. We're now talking about his asshole. Fine. Well, he's put that way. Fine. You're not wrong. I mean, I can say it however I say it, but you're not wrong. So when I had the colonoscopy, they took out that everything's fine. But the guy said to me, which I didn't tell you guys. Was the guy the pro, the uh, gastroenterologist said to me? Oh, by the way, you have an enlarged prostate. You should go get that checked out. And I'm like, uh, uh, what? What? Okay. Hmm. So I tell my wife, and she's like, Jesus Christ. So she gets the uh, whatever guys in our in our uh, in our plan, and I got a I got a, uh, a appointment to see the the urologist. And what they do is they check your prostate. So you might say, what's your prostate? Well, I'm going to tell you. So I get the so what you're gonna do is that's the finger up the ass. So I'm 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 in my mind I'm thinking to myself, I'm just not gonna think about this, because all I'm thinking about is our conversation not too long ago about the how many bananas you take, or how many <laughs> bananas you eat before you take the banana tailpipe. This is I'm gonna shed some new light on this on this. You're not you're gonna eat all fucking eight. Trust me. So so I get to this woman's office. It's a uh, you know regular clinic, and. I, I sit in the waiting room. And they say, okay, we want you to come back. They hand me this cup, and they say, we want you to uh, do what's called a clean catch. Have you ever heard of a clean catch? No. All right. So no. you're peeing in the – they give you a cup to pee into, but a clean catch is they don't want the beginning urine. So they give you the th- a piece of, you know, uh, alcohol soaked, soaked, whatever, and they give, give yourself a dab. Start to pee, and as you're peeing, swoop the cup in. They want that middle pee. That, I guess that's right. more okay. whatever. Okay. Said, they said, we want you to do a clean catch. Not like, the what? stuff in pipes. You need the stuff from the barrel. You, they Exactly. They don't want that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They want the good stuff. They want the good stuff in the middle. So I do the clean catch thinking I'm going to piss all over myself. I didn't. But I was just like, Whew. I'm definitely going to pee on my hand today. I get into the room and the doctor comes in. And it's this, you know... I'd say 60-year-old woman, perfectly nice, you know, per- very professional doctor. Uh, and she, the, she says, hi, how are you? They, they, before the doctor came in, the nurse, we did a running thing about all the different things I've done in my life, you know, all the problems and maybe health issues and stuff like that. Mm. And when they asked me why I'm here, you know, they, I said, my, proct- my uh, colonoscopy guy told me that I should I have an enlarged prostate. So the woman comes into the office she slaps the table, the, the, her, her <laughs> file down, and she says, who told you you have an enlarged prostate? Just like that. Who told you mm-hmm. you have an enlarged prostate? And I said, well, the gastroenterologist who gave me the uh, colonoscopy. And then she says, well, how does he know? And I'm like, how do I know how he knows? I mean, like, this <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, I mean, the doctor tells me, that I'm like, I, why, how would I know? I, I didn't ask for a second opinion. You know, she says, well, what was his name? And I give the doctors that gastroenterologists have no idea if a prostate is enlarged or not. I, and she starts screaming at me 
like screaming. And I'm like, madam, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't sticking my own finger up so my ass. Is to she, is out she used to people just turning up, like just to get a well, finger up the ass all the time? Yeah. She's like weeding these people yeah. out. Yes. All the perverts first. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You're right. She's she's automatically thinking, you just want me to stick my finger up your ass. No, <laughs> yeah. she said. She said, here's what a prostate does. Here now, this is you guys are making jokes, but I mean, this is men's health. So a prostate is basically this like it's like a ring that like squeezes around your I'm not doing this very well but I mean it basically makes sure that you don't you're not incontinent it's basically it's important because what happens is is if you your prostate like shuts shuts your tubes down so you're not peeing willy-nilly you know but what okay. happens is is if it's enlarged it could mean you have cancer and then the, what if it gets too enlarged from like a tumor or something it can clamp down and then you can't pee at all Oh, wow. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine the feeling of like, and then I have a follow-up story. So she says, it's, you know, you, you, you stick your finger up there to, to see what the size is and stuff like that. But he, she said, every prostate's different. So like, it's like, we just have to find out. And I'm thinking, okay, let's find out. So she says, she says, all right, so take your pants down. And I took my pants down, and she says, "This is this is legit now. This is just oh, isn't some woman you found on the internet. Listen she, to me. She, listen, she's, to me. A, she's a professional. This this woman, this woman was this was a doctor's office. It was very professional, and I want to erase all the ideas <laughs> that well, what if I get an erection, or what if I, this woman turns me on, or what if all of a sudden she comes on to me? There is no wipe way. it off. There is no way that's happening. Number one. Number two is." If you think I can't do that because I'm going to get turned on, you are not going to get turned on, and I'm going to tell you why. So she says, let's look at the penis. So she looks at the penis, and then she says, it looks good. And I wanted to say that's the first time I've gotten a compliment Damn from a straight. woman about my penis in quite a long time, other than my wife. So thank you. I didn't say anything because in my mind I'm thinking my wife is saying to me, don't tell jokes. If you're funny, it's just not good. Not good. Let's see the testicles. So she tilts. Everything looks good. She's getting angry now because it seems as though I shouldn't be there. She says, you're 47. You shouldn't be here. But there's only one way to find out. So take your pants down. I want you to get up on this table. I want you to lean to your left with your, with your knees to your chest. And I want you to breathe in deep. And I'm thinking, okay, here oh, we geez. go. This is something that I've been dreading for a long time. I am not interested in this at all. I have no understanding what it's like. I'm tr- my wife does it a lot, and I was trying to ex- ask her what it's like, and she says, you're just going to have to do it. So wait, wait, let's start with, paint the picture Go ahead. again, sorry. So you're, you're naked from the waist down. With You know what? They didn't even I, – I, you know what's – You got wor- socks on? It's even worse than that. There was no <laughs> taking your pants off. So my sneakers uh, are on, my socks uh, are on, and my shorts are – Around my ankles, oh, like a like a small <laughs> like child peeing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like a small child. Oh no! And then I have my nice shirt on, and then I'm up on this table with my ankles, my knees to my chest, and and now I'm starting to breathe. Okay. As soon as. So you got your best shirt on for the occasion. Oh, I look Knees like up, a big you're, child. You're sort of rocked forward, I assume. I look like a big okay. child in the fetal <laughs> position with my pants around my ankles. If there was a picture, it would have been bad. It would have been bad. I will send you a picture. Oh, no, please I... don't. Please don't. <laughs> 
before the doctor came in, I took a selfie pointing at the lube. And you'll see the shirt that I was wearing. I'll send you that picture. I'll send you that picture. So all of a sudden, all right, here we go. I, and in my mind, I'm psyching myself out like, it'll be over soon. Don't worry. So the first quarter of an inch of finger, my mind... The, you know, mind, you know, brain, mind seconds, mind seconds are much faster than reality mm. seconds. Like your brain yeah. is making those connections and you're doing those thought seconds and they're super fast. So the first quarter of an inch, which might have been a second or two, my mind seconds said, this isn't so bad. And then it was like I had lights shooting out of my eyes. <laughs> the The feeling was horrendous. And she got all the way up to her knuckle. And then she starts, you, what you do is you to feel the prostate, you have to move your finger around to feel if there's any tumors or any whatever. When, so is this, is this the technical term of milking your gland? Is this I don't what know she's about doing milking. There was not a lot of milking, but when she <laughs> turned her finger, I felt like my eyes were turning too. I, had, I was seeing stars. My oh. stomach started to hurt. It was like... Lights were shooting at him. Every fucking eye, my eyeball and my mouth and my nose. It was horrendous. It was horrendous. And then I'm counting. And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm almost done. She goes, okay, take one more deep breath. And before this whole thing started, I said to her, I apologize in advance for anything I might inadvertently say because I'm going to say something. And she goes, don't worry about it. So we're do the first half. I'm in like this limbo of misery this total circle of hell with the looking like a big child with this fucking <laughs> finger up my ass i am f miserable and it hurt and it hurts and my eye i'm telling you the feeling of like you're about to pass out there's your eyes are sparkling and then you're you're feeling your stomach feels weird because something weird's happening and then she says all right one more deep breath i'm almost done and it was like, I yelled, oh, fuck, as loud as I could. And it was totally, completely un, uh, you know, it was not like, you know, I, I, you, you want to make a joke. You know, you see It wasn't rehearsed. This was just, yeah, yeah. I'm, I scream, fuck, you know, like this pathetic whimper. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then she goes, okay, I'm done. And then I just kind of like get myself back together. And then she says, okay, get yourself back together and I'll be back. So I like, I start laughing. Like I laugh like nervous laughter. Like that was yeah, yeah. terrible. That was <laughs> terrible. Like it was legitimately awful. There was zero sexuality, sexual stuff there. It was, it was the ex exact opposite of yeah. sexual whatever. It was awful, awful. Yeah. So when I got back, I got my pants back up, and I'm like, I can't believe I went through that. I'm sweating bullets. The whole thing was terrible. And she comes in, and she goes, you're fine. You're perfectly fine. Every She says, everybody has a different size prostate. And you, you're looking for tumors, but this guy with his scope has no idea whether or not. It goes past the the there, there's no there's no there's no way that he could tell if it was swollen or, not, or or enlarged or not. You're not supposed to be here for another five years. And I said, well, so how? Did, so why would he say I'm, I have an enlarged prostate? And he goes, she says, it's like women with big breasts. What am I supposed to do? Take them off? People have big breasts. People have small breasts. People have big, uh, you know, pr mm -hmm. prostates. People have all small ones. You're fine. Yeah. Get out of here. And she was 
angry with me. And, and I said, and I said, her, like, I'm really sorry for, I'm really, she's like, if you were peeing all over the place or you had a hard time peeing or no peeing, I said, well, sometimes I pee at night. And she said, well, don't, are you drinking water? And I said, yeah, I'm drinking water. She goes, well, stop drinking water at night. Get out of my office. And I was like, <laughs> and I said, I apologize for the bad words. And she goes, it's fine. She's like, usually the, usually the funny part, is she says, usually everybody I get here is old and they don't mind a finger up the ass. You know, it's like they, <laughs> at that point in their life. Why not? Yeah, they're used to it. So yes, I yelled fuck in her office and I know everyone he heard, but she's like, yeah, usually it's just these older guys who are used to getting a finger up the ass. They don't mind so much. So I'm perfectly fine. Lisa, so right. there you go. But it's good news. Anyway, it's good news. It's good. News. I mean, it was like, I mean, I'm three years too early, but I mean, I, now we have a baseline. She goes, now you got a baseline. You know, so there, there's the story. And now the last thing is I just found out I have a cavity I have to have filled on Monday. So. Oh, Jesus Christ. But Jesus. at the same time, I got the big high five from the wife. Everything is squared away. Um, she's proud of me for taking care of my health and looking out for the, my life for my child and her. So there you go. Good for you. And you have a Peloton. Love the Peloton. Love Which I, I think it comes in the instructions that you have to say. It's like being a vegan. You need to tell everybody that you have a Peloton. I'm not or, do, that, or that you do CrossFit. You I, need to tell everybody. I, I really don't want to be that guy because <laughs> I, I don't want to be that guy. I will say I only do the courses with the women. And I'll last – oh, last funny story. So that day after I had the, uh, the uh, prostate exam, I bumped into a guy I know when I was walking the dogs. And I was like, how you doing? He goes, ah, oh, not so great. He says, I have prostate cancer. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's telling me that he had a tumor, and then the tumor shut his, you know, his urethra. He couldn't pee for 36 hours. He was locked up, and he's like, you know, so – so then we're talking. And he's like, "I feel good," and you know, I get to use the, you know, the prostate cancer as if you know, um, as like an excuse to not do the dishes. Like my girlfriend do the dishes now, and oh, I can't. I got prostate exam. I got prostate cancer, and you know, I, I get a lot of guilt. And then five minutes later, mm-hmm. he goes, "When can I get a knife?" And I said to him, "Like, well, you can get online like everybody else." And he goes, "Well, I have to wait. I have cancer." I said, yeah, you got, <laughs> I said, I said, yeah, but you got prostate cancer. It's highly treatable. And he says, are you kidding me? I said, yeah. I said, you, that the shit doesn't work with me. I just had my prostate checked just now. I know all about it. I said, you'll be fine. I said, you, you, I said, you come back with brain cancer and then, and then you get to the front of the line. But I mean, uh, prostate cancer, highly he's treatable. He's using that for, he's not doing the dishes. He wants an early, he yeah, wants an yeah, early no, I'm like, Jeez. you just told me you're using it. You're using it for free. I ain't giving you a freebie. You're waiting in line. Your will be fine. Don't worry about that. <laughs> there you go. Use it to your advantage, is what I say. Right. Look, I think it's the show. We're, we're, we're two hours in, um, and I think we're good. I think we're good. That was a good show. Really yeah, enjoyed it that. It was yeah, very relaxed. There was no button pressing. There was nobody in the chat to uh, to shout out to. It was, yeah, it was a good fun one. Yeah, fun one. 201. Yeah. Right. Okay. This is live Monday. It's now Monday morning, if you're listening. Thank you very much for listening, and we shall speak to you again next week. Bye for now. Oh, oh. Stick around. Stick around. There may be a song coming on next. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Good evening, Pezak. Bonsoir, Pezak. We are uplift. We're here with one thing to do, and that's to get you all up dancing. 
And this first song is by an Irishman. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.